When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. This is your Matt Prophet of the Airwaves, and welcome once again to Radio Free Canada. News, notes, and opinions from the underground for Tuesday, October 18th, in the year of our Lord, 2022. Website, the com. Actually, either works. com or just com. You can listen to previous episodes. You can email me through the contact page, and you can learn more about the show and my cast of regular contributors. TheRichardSarrettShow.com Big announcement again coming uh, Monday about the show, next Monday. And then the change, which which I will announce next Monday, will be implemented next Tuesday when I broadcast live from the luxurious News Talk Saga 960 studio in Etobicoke. Jacob, you were right again. You called it on yesterday's show. The Leafs going down to defeat against the lowly Arizona Coyotes. The Leafs never seem to be able to to lower themselves to the occasion. Is that, I don't know, rise to the occasion? Lower, playing these lesser teams and just playing horribly. 
Although that was a terrible call, I thought, by the official in the dying minutes of the game when a, a Leaf goal was disallowed would have been the tying goal. That was not a hand pass to Mitch Marner from Morgan Riley, in my estimation. However, uh, the Leafs made a valiant effort to come back, but it wasn't enough. Now, if they had played the first 50 minutes the way they played the last five minutes, the game would have been very different. The outcome would have been very different. However, that's hopefully that's not a harbinger of... Uh, things to come for this for this team this season. Ontario's municipal election just days away, October 24th. And that's next Monday for city councils and school trustees across the province. Now, British Columbia has already had their municipal election. And hopefully the results out in Lotusland are a harbinger of things to come here in Ontario next week in Vancouver. Voters have fired their loony left-wing mayor, who is soft on crime and a supporter of defunding the police. This crazy mayor, Kennedy Stewart, was uh, even too far left for the provincial NDP government, who had to step in from time to time and shore up funding of Vancouver's police force when the mayor and his silly council refused to cover a shortfall in the police budget. Now the, uh, the old mayor is gone, Stewart is gone, and Vancouver has just elected Ken Sim, who put crime, policing, and public safety at the forefront of his campaign. Sim is promising to hire 100 more cops. And his new movement, it's, it's a party, really. It's called A Better City. And they ran not only, he ran under that banner, but also councillors, city councillors ran under a better, the, uh, a better City banner. Parks board members, school trustees all ran under the A Better City banner. And they won. A better city, headed by new mayor Ken Sim, has taken over city council, the parks board, and the school board. A huge victory. If this can happen in left-wing Vancouver, it can happen across Ontario. And there were similar outcomes in the nearby suburb of Surrey, B.C., and in Kelowna, which now has the highest per capita crime rate in Canada. People are waking up. They've had enough of the failed, miserable, dystopian policies of the morally and intellectually bankrupt left in this country. Let's pray it happens here in Ontario in less than a week. On yesterday's show, I was wondering why our radical progressive premier, Doug Ford, a.k.a. Tommy Boy, is not being subpoenaed to appear at the Emergencies Act inquiry in Ottawa, especially since... He has repeatedly bragged that he stood shoulder to shoulder with the crime minister. And uh, Dougie has been given a pass. When in fact he was responsible for the lockdowns and the vaccine passports and the school closures, which he did uh, or which did incalculable damage to students and business businesses and people's lives. He did that. And he enacted his own version of the Emergencies Act, which was made permanent. Of course, Ford fooled all of us, all of us conservatives, when he took over as leader of the PC party. He fooled a lot of us, most of us. He really talked the talk back then, remember? Now, somebody dug this bit of audio up, and it it was uh, sent to me by a listener, Kimberly. Thanks for this, Kimberly. This is uh, the old Doug Ford. Justin Trudeau, number one, in my opinion, he's totally incompetent to be prime minister. 
God bless the teachers because I love the teachers. He was a drama teacher for a year, and he's going to be the prime minister? You have to be kidding me. You put his resume up against the prime minister's, you go to any company in the world. Justin Trudeau couldn't even be the floor sweeper, not to mention the prime minister. You have to be kidding. You look at his resume, it shows that he's weak. Now, to be fair with the liberals, I wouldn't say that about John Chrétien. I wouldn't say that about Paul Martin. I'm saying this about Justin Trudeau is not competent to run this country and be responsible for your hard-earned tax dollars. That was the old Doug Ford, I guess when he was trying to become leader. He was trying to fool conservatives, and he was talking like a conservative. Now contrast that with the new Doug Ford, whose best friend is the prime minister. I'm wondering um, why you are not uh, one of the people who's testifying at this inquiry, but also if you can think back to February, do you think that the federal government was justified in using the Emergencies Act to lift the occupation of downtown Ottawa? Well, we have some of the top officials with the OPP testifying, and uh, yes, I I stood shoulder to shoulder with the the Prime Minister. Uh, These uh, folks were, you know, camping out, Everything from whirlpools, disrupting downtown. Everything from whirlpools. Oh, the horror. That's the new Doug Ford. What happened to Doug Ford? What happened? I don't know. Maybe he started smoking what he used to sell. So uh, I've said before, and I'll say it again. If anyone tries to tell you that the Great Reset is a conspiracy theory or that digital ID and digital currency won't lead to a communist-style social credit system, run in the opposite direction from that person. Run. Don't, don't back out of the room slowly. Just turn on your heels and run. Because they're either dangerously naive and ignorant, in other words, they don't read, they don't follow the news, or they're straight out lying to you. So run. The Great Reset is real. Digital currency is coming. And it's very, very bad. In an article from the Epoch Times by Catabella Roberts, here we go. The International Monetary Fund, that's the IMF, ever heard of them? They've said that central bank digital currencies, CBDCs, could potentially allow a government to control what people spend their hard-earned cash on. Speaking at the IMF World Bank annual meeting on October the 15th, Deputy Managing Director Bo Lee said that a CBDC, again, a central bank digital currency, could improve financial inclusion through programmability. Programmability. A CBDC can allow government agencies and private sector players to program, to create smart contracts, to allow targeted policy functions, Lee explained. For example, welfare payments, for example, Consumption coupons, for example, food stamps. By programming CBDC, that money could be precisely targeted for what kind of people can own and for what kind of use this money can be utilized, like food. In other words, a CBDC would give the government the the ability to make sure that people are only spending their money the way they're supposed to. How are they supposed to? However the government tells them to. 
Bo Lee, who stepped into the role of Deputy Managing Director at the IMF on August the 23rd, 2021, added that by allowing the government to precisely target what people need, this will, will enable said government to, quote, improve financial inclusion. However, his comments were quick to garner a reaction from experts, including Nick Anthony, policy analyst at the Cato Institute Center for Monetary and Financial Alternatives. Anthony wrote on Twitter that IMF executives' comments revealed how a CBDC would allow the government to precisely control what people can and cannot spend their money on. A final note here, a footnote. Prior to joining the IMF, Lee worked for many years, wait for it, at the People's Bank of China. There. Pretty hard to ignore that. I'll just leave that right here. Coming up on today's show, Waterloo Region District School Board, one of the most woke, one of the most dysfunctional school boards anywhere. And uh, Ahmed Kassed is running for a school board trustee there because he's concerned about publicly elected trustees being silenced without a reason, provided to the parents, teachers being negatively impacted when they speak out about the age appropriateness of some books in school. He joins me last order of business in hour two. Brad Hunter, crime reporter with the Toronto Sun and best-selling true crime author, will be here also hour two to discuss this, the uh, case of a sex offender who self-identifies as a woman and who has now been arrested for allegedly attacking a woman in a woman's shelter in Perry Sound. Like, we didn't see this coming. Ruth Gaskowski is our homeschool advisor. She has a remarkable story about how a deer killed by a car left on the side of the road turned into a wonderful lesson for about a dozen homeschool children. More details from yesterday's Emergency Act inquiry in which Ottawa city manager let the cat out of the bag and it's not good news for Trudeau and his cabal, I mean his cabinet. Tom Korski from Blacklock's Reporter has that one this hour. But first, more on yesterday's... Uh, Inquiry, Wyatt Claypool from the National Telegraph on the embarrassing and pathetic display from anti-convoy witnesses who took the stand. He's next. The Richard Serrett Show, off and running for Tuesday, October 18th. Facta non verba. We're back as The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. Uh, let's look back to uh, day three. I mean, this uh, inquiry into the Emergencies Act is going to run right into uh, November, it looks like. But um, yesterday was a most interesting day, although kind of a clown show, not looking good for uh, the Liberals, even though most of the witnesses so far have been anti-convoy activists and bureaucrats and and politicians. But they're not doing the... Uh, the Trudeau government any favors with their testimony. Wyatt Claypool has a terrific article on this at the National Telegraph, thenationaltelegraph.com. Wyatt is a senior correspondent for the National Telegraph. Hey, Wyatt, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Richard. My pleasure. Uh, so let's uh, let's talk about some of the, um, I don't know, what do we call them, highlights or lowlights from uh, day three of the Emergencies Act inquiry. Uh, where do we begin? How about with Zexy Lee? Uh, this is the uh, the woman who filed this class action lawsuit against the Freedom Convoy uh, because of the, uh, with a honking, right? Yeah. All right. So tell us about her uh, testimony. Well, what, what a lot of what her testimony does and what it kind of is doing with a lot of the other people 
uh, or what it's reflecting from a lot of the other liberal witnesses, especially just kind of the residents and the activists who have been speaking, is that they're essentially, I don't know why, but they're coming back at us and essentially trying to say that all of the honking that only happened on like the first couple of days of the Freedom Convoy and sort of just like the general, I guess, festival atmosphere around the parliament building somehow qualifies for being like an assault on the residents of Ottawa. And this is why in my article that I wrote a couple of days ago on just the first two days of the uh, of the Freedom Convoy, this is why it is not going well for the liberals, because I think that they assume people like Zexy and some of the other uh, liberals who are testifying up front, like some of the more municipal officials and residents, were going to sort of prove the point that the Freedom Convoy is bad. And then when Trudeau testifies, he just throws his hands up in the air and says, well, you heard what everyone else said. It was awful. I had to do it. But they're, they're only proving that they just have these kind of upper middle class, overprivileged, urbanite complaints about the, uh, about the Freedom Convoy and really nothing else. Right. A lot of, as you say in, in the, uh, the title of the article, anti-convoy witnesses whine about Uber Eats and microaggressions at Emergencies Act Inquiry. And we'll get to the Uber Eats and the microaggressions in a moment from uh, fluently bilingual Ottawa City Councillor Matthew Fleury, who suddenly claimed that um, he doesn't understand the nuance uh, and the, the specificity of our language. We'll get to that in a moment. But getting back to Zexy Lee, was she the one that claimed that she had to sleep with a mask on because of the fumes from the diesel trucks? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly the person it was. And I remember, I believe she's also a Liberal Party activist as well. And and her lawsuit as well doesn't even make sense because in her injunction that she filed, they actually got the honking to stop, which demonstrated that her own legal action was already had already uh, fixed all the problems that she had faced. But now she's doing this weird class action lawsuit where she's claiming that somehow the Freedom Convoy had ruined all of the businesses around Parliament or had basically disrupted the economy, even though, frankly, the entire economy had been shut down around that area since uh, 2020 because of the, uh, the, like, the woke left-wing uh, Mayor Jim Watson essentially forcing everyone to stay in lockdowns. But then suddenly it's the Freedom Convoy's fault when the convoy shows up and wants to purchase services from all these businesses. Exactly. And then they were complaining, oh, they were putting tables outside of uh, uh, restaurants and giving away free hot dogs. It was like it was worse than the uh, it was worse than the um, I don't know, the final days of Kabul or something. It was just uh, (laughs) ridiculous. Why Claypool is a senior correspondent with the National Telegraph and he'll stay with us. We'll take a quick time. I'll come back and continue to discuss the uh, the whiners taking the stand at the Emergencies Act inquiry up in Ottawa. Stay with us. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serra Show. Wyatt Claypool, senior contributor with the National Telegraph. Support independent media, thenationaltelegraph.com. All right, so uh, Ottawa City Councilors uh, Matthew Fleury and Catherine McKenney, who is also running uh, to replace Jim Watson as mayor in Ottawa, uh, took the stand. And, uh, well, just kind of walk us through this little uh, piece of theater where uh, Fleury was being, I guess, kind of cross-examined by a lawyer who was asking him about his claims that he and other residents of Ottawa had suffered microaggressions at the, uh, the hands of these mean truckers. Yeah, yeah. So this is—it was really ridiculous because Matthew Flurry, like everyone else, was allowed to submit evidence to the actual commission before his testimony. Uh, his testimony that was going to be cross-examined 
And the thing that he had recited and then also cited in his testimony live uh, in the during the commission was that he couldn't actually cite any real aggression. Of course, he couldn't cite the truckers doing any sort of uh, violent behavior or trying to menace anyone or anything like that. So he basically just said their presence walking into uh, restaurants while being unvaccinated and being there around Parliament was a microaggression to him. And as soon as he was being questioned about what he meant by microaggressions, because of this, this weird woke left wing concept that someone just asking you, you know, where you're from or how tall are you or just like uh, or calling you or misgendering you or something stupid like that. That's a microaggression. It's not real aggression. It's a microaggression. And as soon as, he, as uh, Matthew Flurry was asked what a microaggression was, this man who can obviously speak perfect English pretends that he doesn't know uh, he doesn't know how to speak English anymore. And he needs a microaggression to find for him. Oh, man, that moron should have been laughed out of the room at that point. But it gets better because sitting next to him is Catherine McKinney. Again, she's uh, running for mayor in Ottawa. And hopefully, because this has gone sort of viral on YouTube, um, because she was caught on a hot microphone, basically coaching Flurry. And and under her breath or in a whisper, which everyone could hear, she was saying, speak to him in French, speak, you know, demand that he speak in French or whatever she was saying, coaching him. And um, uh, I mean, that's not a good look. And then she was looking really, really smug, like she had just pulled one over on this poor uh, lawyer. Uh, I mean, I'm hoping that her aspirations to become mayor just hit a brick wall right there and then. What do you think? Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, an infant formula company on a mission to get a lot closer to the most super, super food on the planet, breast milk. Our patented protein blend has more of the important and most abundant proteins actually found in breast milk. We're the first and only U.S.-made formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk, not skim. We even conducted the largest clinical trial by a new infant formula company in a quarter century with clinically proven benefits like easier digestion, less spit up, and softer poops versus a leading infant formula. And we make our own formula in the USA and our very own factories in Iowa, Oregon, and Pennsylvania. Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. 
Yeah, and she also had this other instance, because the whole thing with the liberals and the NDP early on in the convoy is that they're saying, well, the convoy's bad because it's racist, because we found this Confederate flag and this Nazi flag that popped up for like half a second on the first day, and were either the people who were holding them were asked to leave, or they were just never seen again after they first popped up. And she was also asked, uh, Councillor McKenney is running for mayor, was asked, well, weren't you at a counter protest where they were where someone was holding up a sign that said gas the unvaccinated? Hmm. And she just pretends that she's stupid to the idea that that had ever happened. And she doesn't know anything about it. But by her own standards, she's a she's an anti uh, she's a bigot against uh, people who are unvaccinated. And I'd also note that there were communist flags at all those counter protests she was attending too. So I guess that based on her own standards, she's now a communist who supports all the people that the communist regimes around the world have murdered. What a, an absolute clown show. And the, the best part is, uh, Wyatt, that these, as you point out in your article, these witnesses are supposed to be sort of propping up this ridiculous narrative that the Emergency Act was required. I mean, we haven't even gotten to the good part where, you know, we're going to hear from, uh, you know, the people that are opposed to the uh, opposed to the uh, the Emergencies Act. Yeah, the thing is that this is all supposed to be the sort of wedge that breaks kind of uh, breaks the narrative that the that the freedom convoy was peaceful. So it sets up Justin Trudeau and Christian Freeland and Omar Al Gabra to basically said, well, of course we had to do what we did. Don't you see all the crazy stuff that was going on? And again, these people are pro- these people didn't just sort of mail in their evidence submissions and their testimony. These people probably prepared for it quite heavily. And the fact that you have a liberal activist in Ottawa thinking that it's a good idea to cite the fact that Uber Eats might have been down for a couple of seconds during the Freedom Convoy, despite the fact that people literally around Parliament were calling Uber Eats to have them deliver food to the Freedom Convoy area. They thought this stuff was going to sell, and it's not. Uber Eats was down for a couple of seconds. There's that, and of course... Uh, Premier Ford, a.k.a. Tommy Boy, uh, you know, talking about uh, all the, the they 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 had whirlpools and everything. They had hot tubs. <laughs> oh, the horror. Uh, this is as good as they've got. My word. It's uh, it's embarrassing. I, I It's transfer embarrassment. I, I almost feel bad for them. They're, it's so pathetic, but uh, not quite. Uh, Wyatt Claypool, senior correspondent for the National Telegraph, the nationaltelegraph.com. Wyatt, great job. Great article. Thank you so much, my friend. Yeah, have a great one, uh, Richard. Thanks for having me on. All right. When we come back, more on the uh, Emergency Act inquiry. Tom Korski from the uh, from Blacklocks Reporter will be here, and this this should be like front page news. Front page news: the city manager in Ottawa basically admitting that they had negotiated an end to the um, uh, you know getting the truckers out of the residential areas in Ottawa like days before the Emergency Act was enacted. Days before. This just blows everything right out of the water. Tom Korski is next. Stay with us. You're listening to The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. This ought to be front page news. Should have been leading the national news. It probably would if the CBC wasn't so busy, preoccupied, covering the Jan 6th hearings down in Washington rather than a rather important inquiry going on up in Ottawa. And uh, that front page news should be the fact that Ottawa city manager Steve Kanellakos kind of blew the entire narrative out of the water for the uh, liberal uh, government. And that is that they had Ottawa had already reached an agreement with the uh, the truckers, the organizers of the Freedom Convoy. 
to get out, particularly out of the Ottawa, the residential neighborhoods, days before the Emergency Act was actually brought into being. Tom Korski is the managing editor with Blacklock's Reporter, and he joins us now. Hey, Tom, how are you? I'm well, thank you, Richard. This to me is, I mean, this is absolutely devastating for the uh, for the Trudeau Liberals and their whole their whole case, wouldn't you say? It does run contrary to the narrative, doesn't it? There was actually a, a sort of a frankly hilarious moment on this in testimony at the Freedom Convoy Inquiry here in Ottawa. As you recall, the uh, manager, you correctly state, the city manager for the city of Ottawa, they they signed this deal with the Freedom Convoy. They said, look, the neighbors have had enough. And the trucker said, I understood. They moved over 100 trucks the day that Cabinet invoked the Freedom Convoy uh, Emergencies Act. That day, the chief of staff to the uh, mayor went out, was assigned, get, get, get out, start taking pictures because we need to know what's happening on the street. And they published the pictures at this inquiry. They showed everyone, Richard, these are the calmest, most, they could be a Christmas card, soft snow falling, no trucks in sight, not a garbage pail out of place, a beautiful, calm and placid urban streetscape. At the exact moment, the prime minister was telling the country there was a seething cauldron of turmoil and mayhem on the streets of Ottawa. You couldn't get a weirder juxtaposition than what happened that day. So I'm not sure if it was from Kanalakos testimony or someone else who said that, you know, they had, uh, or maybe you and I talked about this, they had requested police. um, Ottawa had requested resources from uh, the feds, whether that, I guess that would be the RCMP to come in and help uh, maybe move the trucks. And those police never showed up. It's almost as if Tom, it's almost as if the feds, you know, didn't want to, didn't want to bring an end to the, uh, the protest before, you know, bringing in the emergency act, but those, but the, uh, they probably could have gotten more trucks out had they had those resources. And then the other thing that came out was again, from maybe from Canalacos was that the, the, the truckers themselves were concerned that, I mean, they didn't want to be in the residential neighborhoods to begin with. They were concerned about the residents. They wanted to move those vehicles out to Parliament because it was a political protest. Be my guest, said Ottawa Police Park. It's called Wellington Street. It's the main drag right outside Parliament Buildings. It's right outside the window here. There's nothing going on. It's, the street is closed to this day. That's not critical infrastructure. No one cares. You can park there all you like. There's no traffic allowed there today. The the problem that cabinet has, Richard, is they have to come up with extraordinary evidence that justifies their extraordinary action in declaring a national emergency because of this. Every narrative that they've tried has been undercut, contradicted by the actual evidence. You could go quickly down the list. Economic harm disproven that the truckers were violent criminals, 100% false, that they had guns and bombs, utterly untrue, that there was a seething turmoil and urban mayhem, almost street terror. Witnesses have used that word. They were terrorized on the streets of Ottawa. It didn't happen. It didn't happen, Richard. But Tom, you're forgetting the Uber Eats were shut down for, for, for hours, for hours. The horror. The horror. 
cabinet is so far away from justifying its actions. It's my, in my opinion, it's actually starting to get dangerous, but not for the freedom convoy. It's starting to become dangerous for cabinet. They have to come up with something, Richard. Now, maybe we're wrong. Maybe they have extraordinary, spectacular, breathtaking evidence, and they're just holding it back for dramatic effect. It's getting late in the day, but we have to see, because it could not just be a political hit job. If it is, the reputational damage is going to be spectacular. Mm. Yeah, I, I was saying to uh, um, someone earlier on the show, I, I all, it's like transfer embarrassment. I almost feel bad for them. Almost. Not quite. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> Tom Korski, managing editor, Blacklocks reporter. Please support independent media, blacklocks.ca. Tom, great work as always. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. All right. When we come back, the homeschool advisor, how a dead deer turned into a teaching moment for some homeschool children. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. The Homeschool Advisor on The Richard Serrett Show. All right, welcome back. You know, one of the perks of homeschooling, and I've learned this, is that you can adjust your schedule and take advantage of unique learning opportunities when they come your way. And wow, what a unique learning opportunity uh, came Ruth Gaskowski's way. And uh, she joins us now, the founder of HumanitasFamily.net. Hey, Ruth, how are you? Excellent, Richard. Thanks for having me. All right. So tell us the story. What happened? All right. So a week ago, I got a message from my friend who lives uh, down the street, and she had come across a deer that had been hit early in the morning and left to lie on the side of the road. And she knew it had been there just less than an hour and promptly moved it with a trailer to a nearby friend's property and invited our little homeschool network here to come and join in in the butchering. And um, before people think, oh, great idea, let's go get some roadkill, I actually wanted to just ascertain that I wasn't giving you wrong advice here. So generally, the laws on collecting roadkill vary in Canadian provinces and territories, but the one constant is you can't sell it. Uh, But in most cases, you can keep the carcass without approval, uh, but you may have to register it. So just check your details wherever you live before you kind of undertake such an adventure. But the great thing was that we had a homeschool father who was able to rearrange his work schedule to come for the butchering. He's uh, an experienced hunter. And all in all, we had around 15 kids that had gathered on very short notice to learn how to process a deer from start to finish. Wow. Wow. And uh, so, I mean, were the kids a little, um, I mean, maybe, you know, dissecting a frog is, is one thing, but uh, watching somebody gut a ge- uh, gut and field dress a deer, I mean, that's something else. Were they a little squeamish at first? Well, my 10-year-old at first was a bit apprehensive when he thought of the idea, and he thought it might be a bit gross. And some parents may even think, gee, isn't this traumatizing for a child? And I would have to say it's actually more worrisome uh, for a child to reach adulthood without never having seen the sacrifice it takes of an animal to keep us fed and healthy. So I think, um, you know, the the squeamishness uh, is outdone by the actual uh, worth you get from the experience. And as the kids got going, all of the kids were invited to lay into the work by lifting and moving the deer 
And um, when our experienced hunter friend cut the deer open, the kids quickly learned about, you know, the smell of the internals and got a Yum, yum. <laughs> well, you know, it made us all step back. But you know what? This is an experience you do not get in the freezer section at the grocery store. That's true. And you get a close look at all the organs. It's, it's very different from the clean pictures in books. And it was an anatomy lesson of the most real kind um, to really see, like my son was saying, wow, I didn't realize there's so many veins and that it's all attached like this. And you would never get that sense uh, mm -hmm. from any book uh, or even video that you might watch. True, true. So then what happens next after the internal organs are removed? Uh, what, what, what comes next in the butchering process? Right. So that's kind of when the knife skill began. So they were able to kind of hoist the deer up on the back of a pickup truck on a hook. And uh, two of uh, the young boys, uh, they were just, I think, 11 and 14 year olds. They were very experienced hunters already because of their father. And they instructed the others in how to separate the hide. So they each had a turn with, uh, you know, the legs had to be sawed off, knives sharpened. And as I was looking upon this scene of these children with these very sharp knives moving this hide very carefully, it really struck me as the complete antithesis of what kids were allowed to do in public school where scissors are uh, like often warned caution. Like it definitely was the exact opposite of that. Oh, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm in my mind. I'm fantasizing about some of the woke trustees at the Waterloo Region School Board having a fainting spell. Listening yeah, to well, <laughs> <laughs> but I think the, the great thing was, is that the longer they worked, because this takes a long time, it's not a quick activity that like, you know, like a paper and pen activity that you can be done in mm -hmm. 20 minutes. This was a long process. And the longer they were involved, the more comfortable they got and the more confident they felt until they were readily kind of separating portions of meat and learning about what are the best cuts and removing the silver skin of the cuts and then preparing portions for everyone to take home and freeze. And one of the girls actually even claimed the whole deer skin and planned to tan it at home. So every part of the deer got used. Oh, that is wonderful. What an amazing, amazing opportunity for those kids. That's terrific. Yeah. I think it was a very unusual experiences, experience, and I asked my sons today about, you know, what did they uh, kind of, when reflecting back on it, they were saying, like, one of the coolest things um, uh, that they had ever encountered to, to, to be able to, you know, actually process a deer and to use knives in this way and to really see um, what it was like um, to process meat, and it made it seem much more kind of precious to them. And I think I kind of could uh, sense, especially in the younger one, a real sense of kind of accomplishment and pride. Um, and it reminded me of these coming of age rituals that used to be part in many cultures and traditional cultures that connect you to nature in a very direct way. Yes. I mean, and, this is Canada, for God's sakes. I mean, all this should be a rite of passage for all children. Uh, you know, we are a land of uh, a country of, you know, uh, uh, drawers of what's the word hewers of wood and drawers of water or whatever the saying is and and uh, we you know we our ancestors it should be in our blood living off the land and and so forth this should be this should be um, I think just um, essential for every child 
Yeah, and I think, you know, whenever parents do have an opportunity like this um, to actually really allow the kids to be fully involved and not just to have them as passive observers on the side, but to really let them get in there and to be part of this traditional practice of hunting or butchering and instructing them in proper use of these tools, because uh, it's not just unique, it's an essential survival skill. And it's definitely something that has been almost totally forgotten in the public school system. Wow. I, I applaud you and all of the homeschooling parents and the children, uh, the homeschool students that took part in this. I think it's a brilliant exercise. And the fact that you all seized upon this opportunity, uh, I think it's just wonderful. Well done, Ruth. And um, again, the uh, the website, let's draw people uh, their attention to the website, humanitasfamily.net, H-H-U-M-A-N. I-T-A-S, H-U-M-A-N, like human, I-T-A-S, humanitasfamily.net. And uh, we'll talk again next week. Thank you so much, Ruth. Talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. Hour two awaits. Uh, speaking of the Waterloo Region School Board, we'll, uh, we'll speak with a public school board trustee candidate. For uh, Waterloo Region, Ahmed Kassad will be here and he'll uh, tell us why he's running. And uh, also, crime reporter with Post Media, Brad Hunter, will be here to tell us about this uh, male sex offender who self-identifies as a woman, worms his way into women's shelters, and then allegedly attacks the women. That's all coming up, part and parcel of uh, Hour 2, right here on The Richard Serrett Show. Don't go away. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell... I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. You'll see the whole parade of what man's carved out for himself after centuries of fighting. Hey, welcome to Hour 2 of The Richard Serrett Show. And again, be sure to check out the website, therichardserrettshow.com, therichardserrettshow.com. If you missed Hour 1, you missed a lot, but don't despair. Still plenty of great programming coming your way. Last order of business. Uh, We'll turn our attention to the Waterloo Region District School Board, arguably one of the most woke and dysfunctional public school boards in Ontario. And uh, Ahmed Kassad is uh, running for school trustee there. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. 
The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. And he's concerned about uh, the way certain trustees have been censored and silenced by the uh, the school board and also about the... uh, the availability or the let's say the age appropriateness of certain materials available in the uh, in the library in the uh, Waterloo region's uh, schools. Ahmed Kassad will be here. Brad Hunter, post media, true uh, post media crime reporter and true crime author uh, will be here. We'll talk about this um, sex offender who self-identifies as a woman and uh, made a trip up to Perry Sound somehow well, somehow, I think we know how, talked his way into a women's shelter or a homeless shelter for women where he allegedly attacked a woman like we didn't know this was going to happen at some point. Brad Hunter will be here. Earlier on, I was talking about uh, the IMF, someone at the IMF talking about how central uh, bank digital uh, currency could be used essentially to control the, the way people spend their money. And we've been talking a lot about this on the program. I'm thinking uh, my next guest might have something to say about that as well. We'll, uh, we'll get into uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency. Kyle Kemper is a strategy vision marketing advisor for Raise uh, Finance and uh, the author of Canadeo, How We Return Power to the People and also the Unified Wallet, Unlocking the Digital Golden Age. But he also happens to be, of course, half-brother to the Prime Minister. Kyle Kemper, welcome to The Richard Serrett Show. How are you? Richard, I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Um, you've been, you know, your, your criticism of your, of your half-brother, the Prime Minister, pretty public about it. Does that make for awkward family gatherings? Well, there haven't been many family gatherings since the great... COVID dystopic play that uh, split families all across the planet. Um, now, I mean, but how is your, if I can ask, and I don't want to, you know, if you, you tell me if I'm getting too personal and, and, um, and that'll be it. But I mean, how is your relationship with your brother, your half brother? I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, definitely like, you know, we're, we're, we're family. I love my brother. Uh, to him, I say ho'oponopono. Like, I love you. I'm sorry. Forgive me. I'm very grateful to you for all your for all your lessons. And like I said, in that series of tweets around the whole Trudeau must go kind of thing, it's like I feel like he's he's been held kind of captive. And, you know, as Professor Mattia Desmond says or Desmet says as in his mass uh, mass psychosis, uh, what is it? Mass blanking right now but oh, has, uh, he's writing about tyranny right about how writing about tyranny but also it's like you know those who are actually like purporting it or helping enable it are actually yeah. underneath the spell of it as well are mass suffering formation. from hypno- mass formation yeah. and, ma- and mass hypnosis and so i really believe that just not he might he might feel it but uh you know talking about specific people doesn't really 
advance us. It just helps. It just leads us to bickering back and forth and getting into more kind of divisive identity politics. That's one of the things that annoyed me about the trucker rally was like, so there was like, you know, one of the first trucks that showed up had the big F Trudeau sign on it right. and it was like professionally done. And that one just kind of, it was just kind of reeked a little bit because it was very pointed at him. Whereas there was a really unbelievable happening that took place there of people coming from all over gathering to um you know exercise their their civic responsibility through radical self-reliance self-expression uh communal effort decommodification all these beautiful traits were on display there um and yeah so even there no, I uh, I understand. Even before COVID, though, was there a point where maybe your your worldviews uh, sort of forked away? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I I've I've been, you know, I I was attending, uh, you know, nine eleven investigation seminars in their in in the in the early two thousands. Um, like, you know, questing for truth around that. I was a, a, a critic of, you know, the SPP, uh, protest where the, uh, the, the Surette de Quebec, uh, used agent provocateur to, to infiltrate and try and bring violence upon civically engaged, peaceful, loving Canadians who were just trying to stand up against, you know, the shadow North American union that was being set up in the background. And uh, yeah, so I've, I've definitely like, you know, been the, on, on the outside, like asking questions that are really uncomfortable. Like when you're, um, when you're in the machine, when it like, you know, it pays to go along with it. And, you know, this is one of the, one of the, one of the challenging things that, that just is occurring too. And it's going to be really hard to overcome is there, it's, there really is a, a, a lack of, forum for discussion around and real debate around these things because oftentimes when with the lies they don't stand up to debate it's like why can't we have a qualified discussion about you know climate change uh, as opposed to just saying like the debate is the the the, the debate is over like, we must just move on no 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 the debate's on it's even time 11 like let's have a discussion around that three buildings collapse come on like hey, let's let's have a discussion about. about that You've come like, to the right it, place, Kyle. That's what this show is all about. Right. Um, so let, let's discuss. When, when, when you when, mentioned CBDCs, you mentioned, yes. and you're covering a lot of topics right now. So, like, you know, kudos to you. It takes, it takes a lot to understand you know, all that's taking place. There's a, there's a lot of, you know, mixed up energies going on. And to find, uh, you know, find peace uh, moving forward right now is, 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 is a challenge. But kudos to you, Richard, for... Uh, you know, for being a breath of. Well, I, I want to just ask you one more question about your your uh, half brother, and then I when we come, we'll take a quick time out, and I do want to f- uh, ask you about uh, your work with blockchain and, and cryptocurrency and so forth. But um, when people talk about Trudeau being uh, under the influence of Klaus Schwab and the WEF, uh, and then others will say in the lamestream media, "Oh, that's just a silly conspiracy theory." What are your thoughts? I mean, do you see? Have you seen? Maybe a, a a change in in Justin. Do you do you believe that he has been unduly influenced by the WEF? Does it concern you? 
Well, I feel like the whole WEF is like the boogeyman is like kind of a, a new thing. Before it used to be the CFR and the Bilderberg and the Trilateral Commission, which are like in now the World Economic Forum, which is really just an annual conference. And yeah, it has like real little people and Klaus Schwab. I mean, he looks like Dr. Evil. So it's it's so ridiculous. Like it, it almost seems like, you know, the energy is again being tried to be pushed, like misdirected at him, just like all this energy is being misdirected at Justin. Justin, you think he's writing the policies? You think he's actually making the decisions um, that 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 are that are happening? Like I I I think we should have, have questions around that, and I don't I don't I don't see that happening. Does he feel trapped? Do you think? I mean, I fight for freedom, and I fight for. I I want to want to. Like, you know, support Justin's freedom as well. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. Um, Kyle Kemper. I mean, he's got an entire, he's got an entire crew around him, uh, an army of people keeping watching his every move. How oh, is that a great life? Kyle Kemper, strategy, vision, marketing advisor for Ray's finance and uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's half brother. We'll take a quick time out, come back and we'll ask or we'll talk about uh, returning power to the people. The uh, the unified wallet, the um, name of your recent book, Unlocking the Digital Golden Age. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show right after these. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Kyle Kemper, strategy, vision, marketing advisor for Rays, and uh, also half brother to Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Um, you also wrote a couple of books, Canadeo, How We Return Power to the People. Number one, I guess this is a, maybe an ongoing series. Number one, the stage is set. And um, you also wrote The Unified Wallet, Unlocking the Digital Golden Age. So where do we begin? Let's talk about uh, your, your thoughts on cryptocurrency. Um, you know, Pierre Polyev took a lot of heat for suggesting, you know, people should look at cryptocurrency as a, as a hedge against inflation. And then, of course, Bitcoin took a kind of a considerable hit and um, everyone kind of piled on Pierre Polyev. What are your thoughts on, on crypto? Um, yeah. So I learned about crypto really early on. Um, I presented to the Senate of Canada in 2014 when Bitcoin was at, I think 200 or $300 per coin um, and showed them how it worked. Uh, I think I, I really am a, a, a real proponent in alternative financial systems. Uh, we are entering, we are in a digital age. I mean, we all have these Star Trek tricorders, you know, in front of our eyes for between two and eight hours a day, depending on how much you use them. Uh, but they are a piece of our lives. Digital money is going to become a part of our lives. The question is, is it going to be a digital money slavery system like a CBDC? Or is it going to be an open public system like a Bitcoin or a private system like a Monero? or a Zcash? Um, and ultimately, are, is money going to be like one of the things about Bitcoin is it's a hedge against inflation? Sure. I mean, that's like if, if, you're, if you're sitting around holding lots of Canadian dollars in an account, I don't think anybody should be really hoarding wealth. You should be activating the cash that you have towards um, like providing security via food, shelter, uh, and your community and investing your funds into you know, those around you and into your community towards 
towards creating a higher standard of life for everybody around you and yourself and family included, I think is a responsibility and, you know, as a desirable outcome. Um, but personally, I, I am a, I am a, a proponent of digital currencies and the book I wrote called The Unified Wallet, Unlocking the Digital Golden Age. It's not a very long book, but it's a good primer into cryptocurrency and what becomes possible when we as individuals are in control of our data, our identity, and our money. When we hold on in the way that we used to have wallets that carried around our cards and our cash and all sorts of different things and briefcases that held our contracts, um, you know, and banks holding our titles and other other and insurances, etc. Now we can move to an, a point where we have what are called self custody wallets, which the individual yourself are in full control of the assets, the information within. And this was the purpose of, of that book. And, you know, one of the other, my other book is called Canadao, D-A-O, which stands for Decentralized Autonomous Organization, which is looking at, which is kind of uh, the next iteration in the crypto movement. It's like, you know, the, it, let's consider it like the corporation 2.0, but instead of registering with the government of Canada, you register amongst the parties who are creating it and you use code to form an organization and it is ruled by, um, by agreements and bylaws that are voted on by the participants in the organization. And these are decentralized organizations. And the, I, my impetus for re writing that book was after witnessing the Canadian trucker rally and seeing that in Canadians came together like never before an unbelievable exhibition of of in, in, in civic protest towards saying we, we have a voice and we want it to be heard and they could not be heard. And there was like, they were not granted a forum for discussion. It was just completely enraged versus engage coming from the political system. And so, it, you know, after witnessing that, and then after, like, instead of seeking a peaceful resolution, they brought in the, you know, the jackboots and, and caused, pain and hurt and just like, you know, got those images that they so desperately wanted of violence and screaming and fear and terror. Um, it became clear that, look, our, our government, our the political system, this representative democracy in Canada, it's not of the people, it's not by the people, and it's not for the people. It's of the party, by the party, for the party. And by party, I mean the party of the corporatocracy, which is, you know, a mixed up, muddled up uh, group of special corporate large interests that, you know, dictate policy in Canada. And the Canadian people do not have a voice. Kyle, we're just about out of time. I'd love to have okay. you back on at some point and, and talk some more about this, if you'd be good for that. Sure. Yeah. All right. And Excellent. thank you, Richard. I really appreciate it. This is this has been great. And to everybody out there listening, I hope you have a wonderful day. All right. Kyle Kemper, strategy vision marketing advisor for Raise Frictionless Capital, it's called. Also, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's half brother and the author of Canada, How We Return Power to the People and also the Unified Wallet Unlocking the Digital Golden Age. All right. When we come back, Brad Hunter from Post Media, a true crime author and crime reporter, will be here to tell us about the sex offender who IDs as a woman busted for 
uh, an attack at a woman's shelter up in Perry Sound. That story's next. Stay with us. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. Regular listeners to this program know that uh, every Thursday we have um, a segment called In Defense of Women, uh, where we talk about things like protecting women's sports, uh, when we talk about um, a huge problem of male violent offenders suddenly self-identifying as female being transferred to women's prisons where they assault, rape uh, female prisoners who in many cases have um, lived incredibly horrible lives, abused at the hands of uh, their husbands or boyfriends, etc. And so here we go. Like, we didn't see this one coming. There's this character, Shane Jacob Green, a.k.a. Stephanie Green, self-identifies as a woman, makes a trip up to Perry Sound, talks his way into a women's uh, shelter, and uh, wouldn't you know it, now allegedly has attacked uh, a a woman, one of the uh, female residents in that shelter. Here to tell us more, Brad Hunter, post-media crime reporter, and also a pretty popular true crime author, the author of Cold-Blooded Murder, Shocking True Stories of Killers and Psychopaths, and Inside the Mind of John Wayne Gacy, the real-life killer clown. Brad, welcome back to the show. How are you? Very well, thanks, Richard. How are you? I'm well, thank you. But this, uh, like, like I said, you know, this just really uh, infuriates me that this is being allowed to happen. So tell us a little bit more about this character, Shane Jacob Green. Well, Shane Jacob Green, uh, now known as, uh, well, sometimes I guess known as Stephanie Green, uh, he uh, or she, whatever they uh, they uh, you know, I always trip up on that anymore. Me too. Me too. Uh, in in 2018, I mean, there's a long record here. In 2018, um, Green, who's 25 years old, uh, you know, uh, sexually assaulted a 15 year old McDonald's employee in the washroom at McDonald's. Uh, convicted. Uh, done, you know, has done some time and whatnot, but now uh, claims to be identifying as a woman. And uh, in in both Perry Sound, Strath, Roy, and elsewhere has shown up at um, women's shelters, which are for, you know, women who are, uh, you know, victims of domestic abuse or any number of uh, sort of things. And these are, you know, extremely vulnerable women. He's showing up at these shelters. And when he gets there, he says, you know, he identifies as a woman. And what he does is he uh, then he goes into uh, the gender identity uh, spiel uh, so popular these days. And uh, the women that work at these shelters as my uh, sources of Dolby are like scared to death on a number of reasons. Now, this is a very big person. Uh, I think uh, six, two and 230 pounds, but there's not just that is as we know in the conversation at large these days. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? 
President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. You know, they're thinking to themselves, you know, I could get fired. I could get fired. I could get canceled. (laughs) I could have my reputation destroyed if I say no. If I say you're not a woman, obviously, you're six foot two, 230 pounds. You're not coming in here. Uh, As you say, they're putting their 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 job on the line. Um, And so in he waltzes. And proceeds to allegedly sexually assault one of the residents who's already yeah, in well, two days before how bad it was, was two days before the alleged assault took place. You know, he'd been, uh, or she or they uh, had been making, you know, sexually and allegedly sexually inappropriate comments to both uh, the clients at this women's shelter in Perry sound and to the staff and you know, that's the sort of situation that, you know, I mean, you know, not throwing him out at that time, you know, raises questions. And then uh, two days later, he uh, allegedly assaulted one of the clients of, of, of I, I assume, a resident of, of the shelter. Horrible. Who's already who's in there seeking refuge from an abusive relationship? Yeah, it's it's, you know, and you'll see that you see that with the prisons as well sort of thing. I mean, a lot of these women that are there aren't hardened criminals per se. I mean, they're there on drug offenses because they may themselves be addicted or booze or, you know, myriad other sort of social things we consider social issues. Right. Uh, But but, you know, to drop somebody who's a convicted uh, you know, sex offender into these places is extraordinarily upsetting. Yes. I mean, in some cases, uh, and we, and I know this because I have uh, a guest on the show from time to time who's uh, a former inmate, female prisoner, you will have male, totally intact males who suddenly decide, wake up one morning, self-identify as a female, request a transfer, given a transfer, they will be they will be allowed to shower with the woman, a fully intact male showering with female prisoners. Uh, it's just I mean, it's just like, you know, no rules. Anything goes at this point. Um, so, Brad, this uh, this person has been charged. These these allegations have not been proven in court. Is there a court date yet? Uh, not yet. I'm 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 waiting on that. But they are uh, they are still in jail. And I think. That uh, there may be some there may be some issues of uh, parole or uh, uh, bail violations from previous uh, encounters with the law enforcement community. And uh, so therefore, therefore, you know, I don't imagine that they'd be getting out. 
Well, this is going to happen again unless somebody, you know, uh, takes control here and institutes some serious new guidelines to prevent something like this from happening again. It will happen otherwise. Uh, Certainly. Brad, great job. Thank you so much. How do we get a copy of Cold-Blooded Murder and uh, Inside the Mind of John Wayne Gacy? Well, we can go Amazon.ca. We can go Chapters uh, Indigo uh, and uh, just order them away and make your checks out to Brad Hunter. No, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, but uh, that's that's where you can get them. You can get them online, Barnes & Noble, wherever your poison is when it comes to reading material. All right, Brad. Great job. Thank you so much. Appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Richard. Take care. All right, you too. All right, when we come back, Ahmed Kassad, public school board trustee candidate for Kitchener. That would be Waterloo Region District School Board. Sound familiar? Yes, the most woke, dysfunctional school board just about anywhere. He's next. Stay with us. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. All right, welcome back. Once again, we have municipal elections Coming up in less than a week, Monday, the 24th, you can vote for your uh, mayor, city council, the Reeve, perhaps, of your township, but also, and perhaps most importantly, vote for school trustees. These are the uh, the men and women that sit on the school boards. And this is this is where we have to turn things around at the school board level. And we're all familiar with the... Uh, the dysfunction at the Waterloo Region School Board. We're familiar with the case of um, Carolyn Brzozowski, the 20-year elementary school teacher who was uh, basically forced into slightly early retirement. I think she was planning on stepping down, but she was uh, taking a delegation to the school board simply to question, to question the age appropriateness of certain library materials that's available for elementary school children. And uh, the the uh, the chairman of the school board, Scott Pietkowski, tried to use the human rights code to shut her down, to cancel her. Mike Ramsey, the only black member of the uh, Waterloo Region District School Board, the trustee, was censored. And um, there's a lot at stake here, not only in Waterloo, but uh, school boards across Ontario, And uh, I'm delighted to have a gentleman who has uh, tossed his hat into the ring and is running for school trustee in Waterloo Region. Ahmed Kassad is um, a school board trustee candidate for Kitchener, and uh, he joins us now. Ahmed, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me. So just uh, give us um, um, basically your reason for running. Um, it's uh, simple, really. Uh, I have some concerns with transparency in the board. And as you mentioned, you just highlighted two great examples. Uh, a third example would be, uh, you know, the cyber attack that happened recently over the summer, and we heard nothing about it. Uh, the school board was, uh, you know, being very secretive about it for quite a long time. They only just recently uh release some information and some of that information is still not, you know, reassuring enough for the people who lost their data and lost their stuff. And basically all they got offered is one year of credit protection in return. So um, there is definitely a lot of examples of lack of consultation and lack of transparency. And 
you know, undermining the, the public and undermining the parents and the decisions being made. Well, I know you're a, a father of two young boys who are just starting school. Uh, so obviously you have a stake in the system, as do many parents. But uh, so, I mean, how do these school board meetings work? Because we, we've all seen these videos on Twitter where in the United States, you know, angry parents, justifiably angry, getting up in front of a, a school board meeting and basically giving the trustees hell because of the you know pornographic material that's being sent home or that's in the, the school libraries. Um, and I just don't see that happening here in Ontario. Are they not holding sort of open forum type meetings where parents can come and raise their concerns? Um, so over the last little while, it has been just virtual, obviously, because of, uh, you know, uh, the COVID protocols and all that stuff. So it, it's been just Zoom meetings that are um, held live for you to see on Twitter. Uh, we are I would like to see in-person meetings, obviously live streamed in the future, because that's really how you bring parents there and you bring the voices there and you ensure that maximum transparency. So how have you been treated by, uh, let's say, your opponents? You're running for school board in in Kitchener, part of the Waterloo Region District School Board. Um, so there's, you know, you, there's um, uh, Mike Ramsey. I, I believe there's Cindy Watson. There's some others uh, I've, I've seen on Twitter who, let's say, are opposed to uh, radical gender ideology, uh, it, the type of indoctrination that's happening in our public schools. So, you know, you've been you've spoken out about this. How are you treated by the media and let's say your your um, your your opponents in the uh, in the school for school board? Well, it's anything but civil discourse. I'll I'll say that much. Uh, When I entered, when I uh, put my name in to to run, it felt like I'm going into a situation where, you know, I'm going to be dealing with professional adults and people who actually are looking to steward their kids, kids education and look after our children. And uh, when I put out my first tweet and I, uh, I asked for parents feedback, and what I got was a lot of feedback from parents, a lot of feedback from teachers who were concerned and, you know, having anonymous accounts, but really opening up to me and letting me know how they feel. Uh, so the first concern that came into my mind is why are these teachers and these parents all hiding? Why is it all anonymous? And then I found out why really quickly, because the activists came after me and there was a group and, you know, I I don't want to name any names, but there are certain people that are going after all the candidates who they claim to be anti-woke. And they're basically just going after with all these nasty tactics, character assassination, you know, vilifying you, twisting your words around and, you know, throwing them back in your face. A lot of uh, tactics that I, I wouldn't have even considered in my mind before coming into here. Yeah, the, the radical left, uh, they, they play rough. They play rough. There's no question about it. They play to win. And uh, for us conservatives who have sat on the sidelines for too long, because we just want to go, we want to go to work. We want to go home, spend time with our families. Uh, and while we were doing that, the left is out there busy, you know, orchestrated. They've got a 60 year head start on us. Uh, but um, uh, so I really appreciate 
Uh, you stepping forward, Ahmed Kassad, more people have to do it. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and uh, we'll discuss a little bit further. Public school board trustee candidate for Kitchener and uh, emigrated to Canada from Egypt at the age of 12. Father of two young boys just starting school, a business systems analyst, and he has stepped up and uh, tossed his hat into the ring for school board trustee. Back with more of our conversation right after these. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk Saga 960 AM. Welcome back. Ahmed Kassad stays with us, candidate for school board trustee in uh, Waterloo Region, running for uh, Kitchener. And uh, again, immigrated to Canada from Egypt, age 12. Business, business systems analyst, has uh, two young boys just starting school. Um, how many, uh, do you know the makeup of the, uh, the school board in Waterloo? Like how many seats, how many, I'm just trying to think, how do we, how do we take back that school board? Uh, how many seats are on the, on the school board? Um, so there is 11 in total. There is four seats for Kitchener, three in Cambridge, three in Waterloo and one in Wellesley, Woolwich. Okay. And, um, how, how should I put this? What what percentage of the seats are currently occupied by, let's say, people that uh, are on side with a lot of this radical gender ideology, critical race theory and so forth? Is it all of them? Half of them? Um, it's uh, a little more than half. So it's uh, out of the 11, I would say seven or eight, uh, which leaves three that, uh, you know, have... Uh, barely any voice on the board, for lack of better terms. Right. Uh, I guess, and one of those would be Michael Ramsey. He's running again, is he not? Uh, Yes, he is. All right. So uh, the folks out in uh, in, uh, Waterloo Region, you've got to turn around like four or five seats, I guess. uh, And that would be enough, hopefully, to... Uh, to set things right at the uh, Waterloo Region District School Board. Uh, when you go knocking on doors, if I mean, I don't know if you're out there distrib- canvassing and distributing flyers and so forth, but what kind of a response are you getting uh, from people in Kitchener? Uh, I've definitely been getting a great response. I've uh, knocked on quite a lot of doors. I've uh, done a few events and met people and talked to groups of people. And most people are surprised to hear what is happening there. A lot of the times unaware of the voting process and how to elect trustees or, you know, the possibility some people don't even know that the board exists or the kind of decisions it makes. So uh, it's more, I found that it's more educating to people and uh, building that awareness. And uh, we're, again, not trying to convert anybody in the board. We're trying to make sure the people that feel their voices are not being heard this time to vote around wisely and, you know, to actually do that effort of coming out and voting and planning to do your homework and uh, understanding what people's platforms are. Um, and give us a website where people can find out more about your campaign. Uh, so my website is ahmedkassad.ca or .com. It'll link to that as well. All right. I'll spell that. A-H-M-E-D, Kassad, K-A-S-S-A-D, Ahmed, A-H-M-E-D, Kassad, K-A-S-S-A-D, .ca. And uh, they can also follow you on Twitter. Is that at Kassad underscore Ahmed? That's correct at Kassad underscore Ahmed. 
Uh, all right. So you've got um, a little less than a, a week to go before the, the election. I mean, do you have any sense? I mean, are you making some traction? Have you done? Well, if you've done some internal polling, that's none of my business. But uh, I mean, are you are you confident that you can that you can pull this out? I am feeling good about it. I'm feeling that I'm making a lot of traction. A lot of the people that I've talked to uh, seem to, you know, provide their full support. And also I'm, uh, you know, noticing some of these anonymous notes and a lot of uh, people, parents, I would say, getting involved and actually going and doing this effort on their own and delivering notes, saying some information about my campaign, which is quite positive. So I'm seeing the people waking up and trying to make a change. And, uh, you know, as a, as a parent that as somebody who's running for the first time, you don't have a huge campaign budget. So when people take it upon themselves to advertise your name for you, it's, uh, it's really great. Well, God bless you for stepping up. I wish, you know, more people were doing what you're doing. I wish I could do more. Uh, instead of just, you know, running my mouth in front of a microphone. Uh, but people need to understand, you know, because the, the we know the turnout for municipal elections is woeful uh, and even worse for school board trustees. People don't even they, they vote for the mayor and maybe their city council councilor. That's about it. Uh, but please, please take some time. Find out who's running for school board, even if you don't have kids in the system anymore. Um, you know, you have friends that have kids in the system. There's so much at stake here. It begins with the school boards, ladies and gentlemen. Ahmed Kassad, uh, AhmedKassad.ca and at Kassad underscore Ahmed. Uh, great pleasure to meet you. And uh, hopefully I'll have uh, some of the other candidates for, for Waterloo Region District School Board on in the, uh, in the next couple of days. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you. And likewise. All right. That's it for me. That was a good show, if I don't mind saying so. Kyle Kemper showed up and on time. Jacob, we haven't done this in a while. What would you give this show on a scale of one to ten? I'll give it a nine. A nine. All right. Where did we go wrong? I wouldn't say we went wrong anywhere. Just, you know, you got to leave some room. for Ten is reserved for. Mark Petrone. That's what you're going to say, isn't it? Isn't it? I'm not perfect. You're telling me I'm not perfect. I can live with that. A nine. That's not bad. All right. That's it for me. My thanks to Jody Declan and Jacob. I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again. God willing, I'll speak with you at four. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you tomorrow afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. 
The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.